ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight is a very special BRH because not only are we recording on a snow day, but also because we have Tara Nays and, oh, sorry, (laughs) Tara Yerke and Tom Nays joining us as guest panelists. Oh, let's do it again. (laughs) Oh, goodness. No, no, no. Started this podcast with a boom. (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) They are no strangers to you if you have been watching or listening to BRH for a few years as they have been on the panel in the past. And we are very glad that they were able to join us tonight for the BRH Snow Day special. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, building the Mount Rushmore of our favorite cereal, and continuing our discussions on Israel. I am Molly Kingston, your producer and fourth chair panelist. Joining me in the first chair is Pastor Ben Kingston. Dad, what is your favorite snow day activity? Sleeping in late having a breakfast at about 10 a.m., which Very is good. what we did today. A solid answer. In second chair is Dr. Gavin Hooks. What is your favorite snow day activity? Yeah, sleeping, it's hard to beat, but I like to read, yes. catch up on reading. Finally, as Ryan Mayberry in our third chair, what is your favorite snow day activity? Video games and reading. Video games because that's my favorite hobby, and reading because I feel like I have enough time to actually yeah. be able to do it and still enjoy other things. Right, exactly, you're not rushed. Okay, good. Okay, so we have our guest speakers. We're gonna start with Tom Nays. <laughs> what is your favorite snow day activity? If it's not sleeping in, it's mm-hmm. sitting at the kitchen table, writing, drinking coffee, looking out the window yeah. at the snow. Enjoying yeah. the snow mm-hmm. view. Yes, very good. Tara Yerke. Um, I went into nursing, so I haven't had a snow day in 18 years. Um, That's fair. So you think so about when you were yeah, a child. Yeah, so today it was definitely skirting on the road um, <laughs> at about 5.30 a.m. Uh, so, but not wrecking my car. That's Yay. my favorite snow day activity Amen. is keeping it, on the, keeping it on the road. Safe driving. Is. So, so they don't sledding? accept snow as an excuse? Never. <laughs> haven't, oh, no. missed, <laughs> haven't missed the day of work yet in the snow. Wow. Knock on wood. Yeah, amen. Haven't been in the ditch either. So So technically, I haven't had a snow day either as a business owner, but on the days that it snows, you can't go outside. Theoretically, I'd like to just sit and watch it snow. That would be my favorite snow day activity. As a pastor, if it's in the forecast, I take the knock. (laughs) (laughs) You have snow days when you want to have snow days. Oh, I think I agree with everyone's answer, but Brian honestly was the exact same as mine, which is reading and video games, um, as well as staying in my PJs, which Dad ruined for me today I did. by suggesting Aww. this, although I am very happy <laughs> we were and able to. We're glad to you're dressed. Amen. Um, We do not have a live audience tonight, but as always, if you are listening online, please comment your answer on the Facebook post, then like and share so others can join in on the fun. So like I said, our first segment is covering Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Dad, do you want to take it away? You bet. So uh, I'll try to read it here um, because I've got my notes interspersed throughout the passage. Uh, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, uh, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called, 
I think I missed it up yeah. there. Yeah, here, I'll read it Why for you since you, you got it? your notes. Yeah. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the hope, to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In you all is actually how it says there, so I know he was from Arkansas. In you all. Well, maybe in your KJV, but in my ESV. <laughs> all right. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. So my notes here says you talk about street cred. You know, when you listen to someone, you want to know that they are invested. You want to know that they're just absolutely sold out all in. Well, when it comes to serving the Lord, he absolutely was. I think, I think he's meeting both, you know, ideas here. That he is from a emotional choice standpoint, he is a prisoner to the Lord. It's Jesus and, and nothing. But he also, at different times in his ministry, was legit prisoner of the Lord's how he died and so um, you know he's talking to these people and he's you know telling them I'm telling you this about the mystery and you can believe me because I'm a prisoner to the Lord and, and he doesn't mean it as as negative you know he, he's glad to be that well how many of us can say that you know type deal that when we get into trials and tribulations we we rejoice no we don't we whine and complain if we're not careful. We worry, we fret about it, we get a gastric ulcer. What what's gonna happen? Be what's gonna beg happen? Beg God gonna to happen? change it. Yeah. And he just seems so at ease here. I mean he reminds me in this it's the mental state that he's in here reminds me of Elijah when he's just sitting over on the opposite mountain, uh, trash talking the gods of the Baal yeah. worshippers. Maybe he went out to the bathroom, down. maybe he should yell louder, maybe he's sleeping. Um, that I wish I had that kind of faith. Anyone else? Along those lines, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. So then he says, beseech you. This is an old English word. Uh, it simply means to entreat, to supplicate, to implore, to ask or pray with urgency uh, that you walk worthy. And, and I, you know, I think, obviously, you guys expect me to do this on a Sunday in, Sunday out basis. You expect me to urge you to do something type deal. But... Do we do that in our general discipleship life when we're talking to someone that, that they know that we're a Christian? We know that they, you know, have some desire to follow the Lord. Do we beseech them? Do we urge them? Do we push them to that next level? I think if we listen to your Sunday message, we do. There you go. <laughs> it, it, honestly, and yeah, that, it changed me this week because your Sunday message was not fighting with those, not trying to bring down those around us. Right. Well, in my particular situation, I've been in that scenario, and my partner is not a practicing Christian. Well, I had to be very careful that I wasn't egging him on sure. in the same ruining my witness. So right. Monday was a new day. Amen. And I could see the change immediately. When cool. something negative was said, I'd be like, ah. Oh. And I referenced the Sunday message. I said, this week it was tough. I said, it was about me. You know, well, it changed the tone for the day and it Amen. changed Tuesday. And just Amen. being, you know, scrappy. That's it. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, mo, mo, the world would think Scrappy would be, you know, you're, you're going to go toe-to-toe. You're, but in, if, for a Christian standpoint, you're being scrappy with yourself to do the right thing, right. you know, and the such. Amen. Someone so else? So was a word that, that you used a few months ago that you weren't supposed to be? Pugnacious? Isn't that the... Mm-hmm. It's a synonym. Is it the synonym to scrappy? Now we're want to be scrappy or pugnacious? It, in the in the sense of doing the right thing. Yep. Dogged. Yep. Dogged. Right. Determined. Amen. Well, so this this is what Paul is beseeching them. He's beseeching them to uh, to be scrappy when it comes to walking worthy. Now that word worthy. Uh, deserving such as merits, having worth or excellence equivalent with before the thing deserved. Uh, in other words, uh, Webster here says she has married a man worthy of her. And so Paul is, at, because he's a prisoner of the Lord, he's urging these Ephesians to walk worthy of what? The vocation. So we're all going to give our opinion here. And, and nobody's really going to be wrong if you stick to a biblical perspective. What do you believe Paul has in mind here of this vocation, this calling? I would say the sharing of the gospel as well as obeying it yourself, which mm-hmm. comes before sharing it. That's right. That's right. Right, being a part of the church, which is what we've been talking about is the mystery. Right, right. Anyone else? Well, I see it when he says walk in a manner worthy of the calling. It's kind of like saying, hey, uh, people are watching you. You're on display. That's right. And then he gives us this list of things coming up here of how, H- how to we're walk. supposed to do that. That's right. And why should we do those things? Because we're representing the church. That's it. That's yeah, we, we are the business card for Bethel Baptist Church, if you will. Or fill in the blank church. For the kingdom. That you go to. For, for the, the kingdom. kingdom. Right? It, it. Amen. So, funnily enough, Scrappy is not in the list of things that he uses. <laughs> yeah, but he meant to say it. Mm-hmm. Just forgot. So, the, the, I, t- I think of Paul as being Scrappy. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. I mean, think of all the things Beat, that he overcame. Stoned. <laughs> Shipwrecked. He limped into a lot of those cities. Yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> That's Snake absolutely bitten. correct. And out of those cities, too. Wait, <laughs> he was Yoda before Yoda was cool. <laughs> all right, this is your calling. Uh, live a holy life, planting, watering the seeds of the gospel, cultivating those that accept, and training them to repeat the process. So, you know, you, you summarized it, Brother Ryan, and, and I just, you know, fleshed it out, if you will. I, I, if I'm not careful, I don't remind myself of the specifics of the gospel. And, and you know, being the missions director right now in our association, seeing churches dying almost on a monthly basis, it seems like this is my clarion call anymore. How do you keep churches from dying? they got to reach people. Well, what is that? That's carrying out the Great Commission. That's walking worthy of the vocation wherewith you've been called. Now, Tara alluded to this list. So this is how you walk worthy with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Pretty much the exact opposite of what the people that we're trying to reach experience on a daily basis in the world that they live. They don't experience people that are walking in lowliness and meekness. 
They got people pushing, you know, their buttons, getting up in their face. I'm not putting up with that or, you know, fill in the blank. They don't deal with people that are long-suffering, forbearing. Uh, they certainly don't deal with people that are trying to love them in their situation. Uh, who's looking out for the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? They can't. They don't talk like that, you know. And so, again, you and I, that's where we come in. We're the salt of the earth. Comments? And I just feel like it's... Uh you got to make sure you don't take it the wrong way, what he's saying. He says, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering. It doesn't say timidness. No. You have a confidence in the gospel and what you're sharing. So you don't have to be afraid to share it, but you need to be humble with it and be able to put up with a lot because you're going to have to put up a lot That's with right. a lot. You can't be insecure. you got to be confident. Sh- scrappy, again. Uh, you you got to show up. Yeah, Romans one sixteen. That's right. Not ashamed. Be not ashamed. Amen. Robbie Zechariah used to say that a list like this, like with all lowliness, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another in love, to put that into a TV program, it it comes out flat so so much. And evil is so much more alluring and entertaining on the screen, but in real life, it's just the opposite. You can't live the the things that are demonstrated on television for long. Mm-hmm. It, it, you have a shipwrecked life if you do. That's right. And you can't live without these things. In real life, these things be, make your life meaningful. They rescue people. Real life rescues happen by people who are described by these words. Good stuff. I also think it's important to point out uh, that when he says long suffering, he doesn't mean passive. Because when you're right. long suffering, you are suffering through something to reach a goal that is opposite what you're suffering. Um, it doesn't mean to just sit there and take it with no goal in mind. You have to keep the gospel in mind while you're suffering through the attacks on it. Amen. Yeah, so th- that's an excellent point, Ryan. Paul is not saying be sterile. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's not saying just be clear water. <laughs> he, Don't be lukewarm. That, that's mm-hmm. right. He, he, he's, he's saying that you've got to be able to reach these people where they're at, and the only way you're going to do that is with these, you know, uh, characteristics. You know, you're going to have to see yourself uh, in the lowly position, but that doesn't mean that you're insecure and insignificant. You know, uh, meekness, that's power under control. You could chew that person out. You could put them in their place, and if you're their boss, you could fire them. Well, that, that's not what that's that's not going to win them, <laughs> you know. Uh, now, what I love about the word long suffering, whether or not it's the exact translation in this particular passage, in another place it means slow to snort, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, we all could use a dose of that, you know, uh, in the session. W- one thing is, we're going through this. I-, I see the home and the church as the microcosm if that's the right way to say it, of where you and I can practice these things so that when we do get in the real world, it's not our first go-round. You know, it's not our first rodeo. Um, and and I, re- I really do, and y'all know I've always got to make some sort of sports reference. Um, the teams that win effectively practice with the same intensity that they play with so that when they get on that field, they don't have to work anything up. They just do what they've been doing all week. Well, uh, you and I will fare so much better out in the world if we've been practicing these things at home and at church all week long. 
I did a Bible study, our ladies group, on this uh, book of Ephesians, but one of the things they pointed out on this section is you need all five. It's saying humility, gentleness, patience, love, and peace. If you're lacking in humility, then the gentleness will suffer. That's right. If you're lacking in patience, the love is going to suffer. Or if you're lacking in love, the peace is, like, you need all of those. You can't just decide, well, you know, I don't really have the love going. Right. It's not, it, that's not really an excuse. It's going to the others will suffer, um, which ultimately they're calling for unity here. So what we're looking for is going to suffer, the, that's right. the end product, if you will. Amen. Well, you know, think about it. If the entire church is sold out to reaching the community, I mean, that, that's going to bring unity, and, and that's going to bring peace. And you, you're not going to get to that point without having these other things, you know. The only way for you and I to pick up our cross and follow Christ is to be lowly, to be humble, and to be meek, power under control. We, we don't have to do what Christ tells us. <laughs> it's in our best interest, and we do if we want to please our master, but we don't have to, you know. We, we have a free will. Comments? And these are all powerful I don't want to say weapons, but powerful approaches to, to changing things in someone, someone's life. Amen. And then if we're going to walk worthy of the vocation, the, this is how to do it. I always go back to what Joyce uh, Eves said in her ministry with CR. I'm willing <clears throat> to step into their mess. Well, I mean, that's lowly. That's meek. Uh, and, and it will lead, certainly, to spirit of bond and peace. And I, ha I have seen her step into people's messes and and god brings glory to his name as a result well so he's you know starting to wrap it up here at least in this first six verses you know there's one body one spirit even as we are called in one hope of your calling uh one lord one faith one baptism i and i you know in my humble opinion he's obviously saying these things to support that whole spirit in the bond of peace you know 93% of the time when the word ecclesia is used, it is in a reference to a visible body, local body of called out believers. But here in this situation, I believe he's referring to every person that has ever been saved. You know, I, I will probably never use the word universal, but it is the entire family of God. There's, there's one family. There's one spirit. You know, when we get to heaven, we're not going to see three gods running around. Mm -hmm. You know, um, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. What, what is that hope? Jesus. Jesus. You know, it, it's the hope to go to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. That's Jesus. Uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, I, I, one thing I thought about this, you know, we could get sidetracked and we don't want to do that. But I... I was asked a legit question, Ryan, by your brother the other day. A legit, uh -oh. Uh -oh. A legit question. All the others are bogus, but no, I'm kidding. I'm For kidding. once. A legit For once, a legit question. How do you know who's right and who's wrong? You know, are the, and, and I, we're going to say names, but not because we're trying to call these people out. You know, are the Catholics right? Are the Episcopals right? Are the Baptists right? Are the non-doms right? You know, what's a non-dom, a non-denominational. And so not wanting to spoil him, I basically told him, 
Well, they all think they're right. And so what we term is a scriptural New Testament church. To me, that gives some deference. You know, so I I'm not going to use the name Baptist. That we're, we're the only ones, you know. Well, I've been around long enough to know that's silly, you know. Uh, but it's also silly for any of those other guys to say we're the only ones doing stuff for Jesus, you know. All that said, you got to make sure that you're lining up with Scripture because there's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Comments? And I, I agree. I mean, I can get behind any scriptural church that we've got the same goal, the same endpoint we're trying to reach, even if they differ on certain aspects, uh, minor aspects, yeah. not things like whether Jesus is God, because that, you know, that's, that's right. a big one. But that's on right. minor things, if we disagree, I can still get behind you as long as we have the same goal. How, how they take their offering, yeah. you know, how they spend their money, you know, that's between them and God. You know, uh, I, I had an amazing conversation with a Methodist the other day. And, and I'm pretty sure we're going to live together forever, you know, type deal. Uh, and, and I was starting to get a little doubtful <laughs> before that conversation. And, and we had an excellent con I believe that fellow knows Jesus. I believe he is serious. Now, would I change some things uh, if he would allow? You bet. But that's between him and his church and God. Well, and he would say the same thing. There's no doubt. <laughs> There's no doubt. So anyway. Well, I, I had some real life experience this week. I got to <clears throat> share with Pastor Ben. The Bible says if they're not against us. Yeah, they're for, they're us. for us. And like you said, um, I got to sit in a Catholic church this week and chew scripture with a Catholic priest on his turf. You know, um, I'm actually doing an event for them on March 18th. And he won. He, we were talking scripture back and forth, and I said, even in our differences, I said, you believe Jesus Christ is the one and only way to heaven? He said, absolutely. Amen. And I said, well, then that's where we're going to start. You know, you're not calling a bingo game on the 18th, are you? <laughs> no, no, uh, uh, a Lenten, Can I come Lenten festival. Yeah. <laughs> I'm messing with it. It'd be fun, but yeah, and anything other than that. So yeah. the time you spend with somebody debating, and right. you know, like if you can lose your salvation or yada, that. The whole, that whole time you could have been praising the one thing right. that you both agree on. Right. So this is something I've said for years. One of Satan's greatest tools against us is division. That's Where right. you divide, you conquer. Right. And uh, we certainly see this in the secular world between, my gosh, political parties right. and um, racial divides or right. cultural divides or right. social economic divides. Just whatever you can. We're constantly being told divide, divide, divide. Right. And we see it here in the church. Right. This denomination, this belief, this doctrinal belief, this statement, we get so sidetracked. And then how many times is the word one mentioned in verses four, five, and six? Several. Seven times, which right. seven, maybe that's ironic. Right, maybe right, it's right. not. The number maybe of complete. Paul, right. Yeah, it's completeness. And he's saying one in spirit, one in the Lord, one in just one, one, one. Right. He's calling for unity. Why? Because so naturally we divide. We love to critique and argue and just That's get right. it confused and get things uh, divided. And this is why he's saying, nope, guys, unity. And this is how we're going to do it. And Amen. I think it is good to debate amongst ourselves between, you know, the Protestants and the Catholics yeah, sure. and whatnot. I think it's good as long as it's iron sharpening iron. That's right. Right. You have yeah. the same oh, end point yeah. in mind. We hit the big ones coming from, a, a, you know, 
our background, we hit purgatory, husband of one wife, baptism. I mean, all the big ones. Yeah. And it was amazing, though. And I would hit him with scripture, sure. you know, and he'd be like, where's that? And he'd look it up. And then when he would have me, I'm like, well, that's because you have more books than we got. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That one's not in my Bible. Yeah. <laughs> all right. No, we're, we're not out of time. Not you out of time. said we all have right. no time limit, but no I think, I think we have Yikes. reached the end of the I first so. segment. Yeah. So we will go stuff. ahead and move on to our first break. Which just happens to be the Mount Rushmore of cereal. So I don't know, Tara and Tom, if Dad explained this, but basically you're just listing the top four of whatever category, and tonight happens to be cereal. <laughs> and the reason we're doing that is because a certain sportscaster is trying to do away with Mount Rushmore discussions. This, for the longest time, was a huge beneficial you know, way to just to discuss the best basketball players, you know, of all time. Yeah. So, so who's on your Mount Rushmore? Because now he believes that it's it's the woke stuff. So, uh, we're we're lovingly fighting against that. We're, we're doing stuff. Mount Rushmore every alive. Wednesday night. Yes. So, who wants to go first? I'll cereal. go first. Go As right. a uh, a person who eats cereal every single day, <laughs> without fail, uh, I had to go with. Uh, I'll go. Four, three, two, to one. Yeah. Uh, number four, uh, Cheerios are a classic, but the best Cheerios are the apple cinnamon Cheerios. Oh, there you go. Uh, I had to choose a fruity one, so I went with fruity pebbles, a chocolate yes. one, oh, so I went that, with cocoa puffs. That film on the top of your mouth <laughs> cannot be beat. And then uh, be wax in there somewhere. The number one, I guess, would probably be frosted mini wheats, because then I can at least feel like I'm being healthy, getting <laughs> oh, no. a bowl of sugar. Yeah, one eighty calories with milk you can do lucky charms and it's like 130 so they're totally <laughs> deceiving us uh, gavin uh, go ahead uh, so the fruity one tricks for me i'm going four three two one also uh who who doesn't love honeycomb come on honeycomb, mm. honeycomb. Yes. Yeah. it's an honorable it's mention for me honorable it's, mention. it's a way way back cereal sugar pops what what could be wrong with sugar pops oh that was even a cereal oh. <laughs> yeah and, and then any cereal that you would macerate your mouth with, you eating it, has got to be good. Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch. Yeah. come away with Glass it. Spitting blood out. It's all the hydrogenated oils that get stuck to the roof of your mouth. It's that coating. They do that on purpose. It shreds. It's like tobacco, you know, with Shredding the fiberglass. Your, and the, <laughs> yeah, they cut your mouth open so the sugar just gets straight to your bloodstream immediately. <laughs> Well, it was a good Get your high faster. Yeah, and then they had the raspberry. Oh, yeah, crunch, crunch berries. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, four, Raisin Bran, three, Fruit Loops, two, Frosted Flakes. (laughs) Old man. uh, Bananas, got to put bananas in the Frosted Flakes. that's good. And the number one, Cap'n Crunch. Yeah. Comfort food. Yes, okay. Um, Sorry. So we're doing four, three, two, one, right? Okay, so my four is checks, and that's because you can make puppy chow with them. Good point. Okay, yeah. It's versatile. Yes, not necessarily because I like eating them as cereal, but because of what you can make with it. That. Well, for the uninitiated, puppy chow is just a name for a dessert. Well, Did yeah. Oh, yeah. Good? I'm not actually eating, like, dog food. <laughs> it's, it's covered in chocolate and peanut butter but, yeah. and powdered sugar. And yeah. then Fruit Loops, tricks, because they're for kids, and then Captain Crunch with berries. You can't just have the Captain oh, yeah. Crunch. No, you I have agree. To have the you got to have the berries. Good, now good. they make just the berries. I know, which is even better. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They make just berries. And Ava loves that. Yeah, what about you guys? I do. Uh, Lindsay gets mad at me sometimes because, like, I love, like, frosted shredded 
wheat, but I'll pour Cheerios in it also. <laughs> She's like, why do you do that? It's like it's a good mix. Radical. Why not? But, yeah. Why not? So I've got number four, honey nut Cheerios. Yes. But in my house, we buy honey nut O's. Three, Frosted Flakes. Two, uh, Captain Crutch with Red Berries. Yes. Number one, Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms, Definitely. Lucky Charms were an honorable mention. Do you speak with an accent when you eat uh, it? <laughs> I have made myself sick. He does in March. Charms, so. <laughs> he does in March. All right, Terry, you got a top four? Yeah, I do. I had to give up gluten. It's sad. It's sad, but true. Boy, oh. uh, it's coming for you, Ryan. Just wait. You're <laughs> eating cereal every day. Uh, it used to be generic frosted uh, shredded wheat, mm-hmm. like the generic one. Oh, this mini spooners. That's right. what it was. Mini, mini spooners. spooners. Man, me in college, that, that was like, like a fish staple. bait to me. I know. It's not. Or it is like a generic form activity. of shredded wheat. It's so much better than the real stuff. That was number one. That's what you told yourself. It was I so know. much better. Yeah, and yeah. it's all I could afford for a lot of years. But that was number one. Number two, three, and four was life cereal. Just. Life, really? Yeah, oh, life. life. Again, it sounds like a beat. Life, oh, cereal, man. life, beat. I just. Uh, <laughs> I've had to give all that up. So now it's like granola, granola, granola. Yeah, but it really got boring no, no, in my hey, old age. Cheerios is gluten free. It is. So. I just don't like them. Ah, there you go. That's <laughs> why they went around you made me, Mount Rushmore. You made me think with the generic version of uh, honey wheat. Um, you know the generic version of Captain Crunch was uh, Captain Vitamin. Did you ever see those? Ooh, no. Oh, it was sad. That was I had as a kid. <laughs> and he wore a little bad, crowd yeah. of spoods that were all like soldered <laughs> together. Captain <laughs> Vitamin. Captain Vitamin. Yep. You could probably still find it bad somewhere. Oh, you have to. Get a sad portion of the cereal aisle. <laughs> yep. And the enriched. It, enriched. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to reach kids <laughs> with vitamins. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's not vitamins anyway. It's enriched flour with high fructose corn syrup and red dye. That's all it is. There's trace metal in it. There's <laughs> well, you got to die some way, and I'd rather die fat and happy and eating my cereal. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, that I was really happy. I wasn't sure about the cereal Mount Rushmore, but it worked out much better than I thought. So we're going to move on to our next one, which is a mystery topic. So I have you guys on the wheel of names. I'm if ready you are this week. I got that. shamed last week. so. Well, so oh, right now it is just humanity. me, Ryan, technically. Oh, okay. But well, I thought I, I was outside. So oh, have no, no. Yeah, I want to tell everybody. Oh, wow. Oh, shoot. I'm in. Look. Well, yeah. So it's, I have Tara and Tom in there. If you are guys, if you guys are Man, interested. Man, what or... is the budget of this radio program? <laughs> <laughs> this is a free program. <laughs> we made the big town. Oh, oh no. Oh, it's well, gonna it be... looks like it's me. Oh, oh. You guys were saved. Please are going to solve So... I hate the mystery topic segment. I'm just going to be honest because I can never think of something. I need a little bit more of a guided thought process. I, I can do it this week if you want me to, Mal. It's up to you. Well, I, I have something, go. but if we don't want to talk no, about go, it, go, then go. we can no, we can it. do yours um, because I know this is something me and Dad have talked about, and I saw I got an email from Blaze talking about how California is passing a law that people who leave, mm-hmm. and I think it's... I think it's specifically for like wealthy people yeah. who leave will still wow. have to pay taxes even once they leave the state. Wow. I thought that was already a law. <laughs> Isn't actually. that uh, slavery? Well, I I have no <laughs> idea. So like I'm a They've headline been reader on it for a while. So but they're really pushing it now because they lost most of the state. <laughs> yeah, they. they I they mean, lost like a lot. twenty-two thousand millionaires left last year. Something. Yeah, like that. I mean it was a lot, and you, you had like them? the big names no, too. You can't blame them. 
No, and so I'm a headline reader, so I will admit I didn't read the article. I right. just read the headline. Good reporting. Right, exactly. Right. And <laughs> I'm fake news. Perfect for um, today. And so I don't have any facts, but this is what I know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but my topic was an offshoot of that. Is, you work at is CNN. Do yeah. Christians abandon liberal states or stay because of the missionary work that is is there? And, and can we even add to that, Molly? Just let's weigh in. In our humble opinion, should they? Should they leave? You see what I'm saying? Well, that's what I, I think that's what is, I is said. Is that what you're asking? Do I said do okay. Christians leave? I got you. So should. We can change so it. Should, should, should Christians should abandon liberal states? So, so I'm going to weigh in first here because I've 20 years I've been wrestling with this. 20 years I've been wanting to write a book. 20 years I've been wanting to somehow get on national TV and implore all of the Christians in Illinois, Chicago, uh, New York, and California, California. get out of Dodge. Get out of there, you know, unless you can tell me that God has absolutely 100% called you to that mission field, get out of there because it will hasten, in my opinion, the destruction of that state. It will hasten the uh, obviousness, if you will, of the policies that are there, and it will help us to, you know, go back in there someday uh, and, and, you know, salvage what is left that that's my opinion i can't really put it on scripture and verse other than sodom and gomorrah you know and and i believe sodom and gomorrah looks like saint Clair compared to new york and california as far as i'm concerned and, and chicago is a killing field mm-hmm. it, it's a killing field and you know i know all these th- i mean these are hot takes I, I get that but but i have struggled with that for 20 years some of our greatest ministries are in those three states mm-hmm. john Ma- john macarthur That's what I was sitting here thinking. Like, my gosh, some of the biggest ministries that there are are in California. Greg Laurie is also, correct? Yeah, Greg Laurie, yeah. And he's got that movie coming out that I think is going to be phenomenal. Oh, the Jesus Revolution? Yeah. That is on our family's calendar of to Yeah, that looks really good. So anyway, I've I've given you mine. What do you guys think? So my opinion is, um, so if you just make a hypothetical of you're living in a city, let's say Chicago, and you've got a wife and three kids. Do you really want them to be going outside where there's, you know, drug addicts and shots being fired Good left time. and right everywhere? You've got a responsibility to your family to watch out for them before anyone else. So I, I feel like, like you said, unless God has specifically called you to there and you're 100% sure and you've prayed a lot about it, that I think the right call for your family's sake would be to get out of there. And that is how we treat our missionaries, at least the BMA treats our missionaries now. Like, you get a specific calling to a specific area, and then you go to that place. So if we're going to treat them like the missionary fields that they are, then then technically, I mean, just looking at our model so far, then a community of us, they like, we would need to leave. We would send a missionary in, we would support them, and then they would build up a, a church, and then they would leave or stay, depending on what their call is. But so that's like, that's what I was thinking. Like, do we stay though as a community? Because in my mind, also, if we leave, then we're potentially losing ground. So yes, we're still putting ourselves in a dangerous situation. We're potentially, you know, giving our tax dollars to a state that is doing things that we don't support. But we're in the middle of the battle. Like we are in the trenches. If you are living in one of those states or even counties, I mean, because we can look at St. Louis County and. And consider that sure. a big missionary field, sure. and things or like Kansas that. Kansas City, even. Yeah. 
And that's a good point if you've got a purple area that's like, you know, red and blue. Like, mm-hmm. you, there's a chance for either side to get their mm-hmm. way. It depends on who turns out more. But in some areas, there, it, you know, you're vastly outnumbered. Vastly, yeah. Well, I think we're looking at states versus just the city. Right. Like, the mm-hmm. inner right. city is where we're talking crime and things that aren't safe for families. Right. And that's fair. Right. But there's the part of me that's thinking, what about people that need to be reached? How will they hear the gospel message if everybody gets out of Dodge? Having said that, I am uh, a small town girl, like always will be, always have been. I'm not going to probably ever go to a city unless God has said Uh, go. Um, And hopefully when my kids are all raised and I wouldn't bring them there. But what I'm saying is I don't know that you can just kind of bail out of the state altogether and say, well... Everybody get out because, I mean, maybe if judgment were coming, how would we know? My point is, essentially, if all the Christians leave, how will people groups be reached? So it's like saying, don't don't go over to Vietnam or places that were hotbeds years ago. Don't go to these places that are dangerous, but those people still need to hear the gospel, and people have been called to those places. But I don't know, just as as a whole... If I lived in California, I would leave not because of the politics so much as, well, I guess it would be taxes. taxes. It would be some of the laws that have been put in place that are just crazy. There's things about pedophilia and things that are just completely, yes. those kind of things. I'm like, don't agree with it. Couldn't agree with it. But there's still that pull of, they still need the gospel too. Uh, it, no red state, blue state, is there really, I mean, we're trying, we just talked about division we need. We just talked about dividing, right? Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like hard to say red versus blue. Who cares? They they all need to be reached for the gospel of Christ. It's I would be the first to to say. I don't even know that I agree with my own stand. It, it's just something that I have wrestled with for twenty years. I I feel like, and, and th- this is really where I'm coming from. I see the United States as Mount Carmel. And you've got the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth, which are the liberal states. And then you've got the children of Israel that's everybody else. And Elijah comes up with the challenge, let the God that answers by fire be God. Well, since 1920, the United States has seen money and the economy as their God. And it, if if we divide it up into red and blue states, I believe you would see an economic boom for those red states that has never been seen before. And and God will have spoken by fire. And so, you know, that, that's just kind of my thought, you know, is if we if we could show them a clear difference, look what God does when you put God back in school. Look what God does when you you know, flourish in churches and things of that nature. Look what God does. And and so, yeah, I, I think, because I, I couldn't agree more, I would be betraying the gospel if I just say, yeah, leave them to the wolves. You know, I'm not, I don't mean that. I, just, I want them to see that there's a better way. And, 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 you know, pushing all the gender confusion on kids, that, that's not the better way, you know, and, and just fill in the blank. Uh, free abortion, you know, just out, outlandish exposure to abortion. That's not the way. So anyway. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm not necessarily torn. I, I absolutely gravitate away from, you know, even thoughts of red and blue, thoughts of economics. Um, you know, like when uh, Roe v. Wade passed, um, I heard a really smart gentleman say the reason why that passed is because there was a not, not enough Christians on their knees begging God to keep it away. And in those states, they're no more dangerous than China. They're no more dangerous sure. than the Philippines. And so, you know, we're talking about being scrappy. You know, and I think about the models of like Amos and the people in the Bible that they walked into those cities. They didn't walk out of them. They walked in knowing this is going to be bad. And it's, it's not a, our decision what happens uh, to no them. There's no doubt. You know, yeah, and we just do our part. Yeah. And, you know, we put on the armor. There's nothing in California that is stronger than the armor of God. Amen. And, yeah, as long as I'm not living in a ghetto where bullets are coming through my windows, mm-hmm. you know, for the, for the, my physical protection is one thing. I get that. But there, I would still say there's nowhere in America right now, unless you were living in those climates mm-hmm. that are so dangerous, a Christian couldn't be there. Right. And I see our influence, you know, like the Greg Lorries and them, if all if three pastors left that state, three, how would that state change? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like their influence is massive. Yeah, it is. And even having said all the things about California, like John MacArthur's church is still growing by masses. Like right. people are still coming to Christ. Right. Oh, so no it's. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a prophet in you that wants the black and white, you know, and and I I struggle with the same thing because in my adult life, it's been we we have a victory politically and we see prosperity take over and then the other side wins and they take credit for it. Or at least the policies are so blended, you can't tell what helped and what didn't. Right. Uh, So so obviously clear winning policies. I would like to separate them out and show model, uh, showcase how that they are winning models and they bring prosperity prosperity and freedom. Um, but as far as separating out, that, that's tough. It uh, is. You, you've, you've got to, on an individual basis, do that. The, uh, and I think and that's got, absolutely correct. You, you better, that, that's yeah. why I always give that caveat. You know, and, and I mean, when you get right down to it, I think all of us should be able to say, I, I am not living in St. Clair because my mom and dad, you know, raised me here. I'm living in St. Clair because this is where the Holy Spirit wants me to live out the gospel. I tried to leave, for the record. You, you <laughs> did. Went to Nebraska. Yeah, I went to Washington we're, State for four years and still come back. And, uh, <laughs> obviously, she's back in St. Clair for good reason. She went to Nebraska, so <laughs> so much better than Nebraska. <laughs> All right. Hey, yeah, we, we got to get I off love that. that. I love I'm going to offend her. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So our next. It's, it's a break, and um, so I you have been this. yes, because I have been introducing new little games, and this one is one I'm not sure about, but I'm Uh-oh. hoping fingers crossed. Fun. Here we go. We tried it? Did we do this? I don't think we've yeah, done this one yet. I don't think we did this one. I don't even sure. know what this is. So. Okay, well, it might be wheel. similar to what we've done before. Uh, okay, but it is it is not. It, I don't think we've done it. Let's so hear it. it's called one line at a time. So basically, the gist of it is that you we are going to tell a story with each panelist only contributing one line at a time. We did this. Okay. Yeah, awesome. I remember now. You remember that? Vaguely. This is yeah. like right up Tom's alley. Yeah. I can already tell. Yeah. I'm wondering if I want to derail it or have fun with it. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, <laughs> I'm hoping for same. all of the above, derailing and fun. Um, uh, so I have some prompts, but I, because I, I can't, I don't remember doing this, so I don't know how we did it last Are there rules time. to it? There, there are not rules other than you say one line. And one we're probably going to, uh, yeah, one but sentence. But don't you have to use at least one word in the line to start your line? 
Dear Lord, what? Oh, you mean like, you mean, no. You got to continue the thought to some level, no? And it can be nonsensical. Not necessarily. Okay. No, I don't think so. So I can just start quoting Shakespeare after someone says no. That. So so I what I'm well, I mean yeah I guess but yeah. it's only one line. It has to only be right. one line. So well, I have I have hey hey Ben, <laughs> I have <laughs> I have some prompts and we don't have to use them but I'll read them to you. So we have a disturbingly short time ago in a land uncomfortably close by. So we could start the story with that, <laughs> or we could start the story with I screwed up, or you can choose to use the lyrics of your favorite song as the basis of a short story or a language class for aliens. So those are the four <laughs> prompts I have brought, and I have them on the spinner. If Illegal we aliens or... Uh, no, 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 sorry, like, oh, okay. um, like the Martians, Martian <laughs> aliens. <laughs> so let's spin it, Brad, and see what happens. Usually I have a winner. Someday when my last line is written. I'll find me a calico kitten. And with, no. with that cat, I'll be smitten. <laughs> no, okay. I'm going to punt this to Tom. <laughs> I, think that's I lost all my fingers and no longer need mittens. <laughs> Bad kitty. <laughs> I think I'm just, I want to end it with that line. Bad kitty. Yeah, that's that's how we end that story. That was tough. You know, that could be I fun if you though. prepared it. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a, that's also part of the thing, though. It's improv. You're not yeah. preparing it. Okay, hit the wheel again, Brad. Let's see if we can come up with a different one. It's going to go back to the same. <laughs> if it does, it's okay. We'll just do the next one. Uh, oh, a language class. A language class. So you're going to pretend, I guess, that you are giving a language class for aliens. English oh, wow. Language. Oh, goodness. All right. Who's going to go first? even know. <laughs> Welcome to English 101, aliens. You will not only be using your words, but sign language as well. Which is good because some words sound the same, but mean different things. Which you will never understand because you don't know what I'm saying right now because <laughs> you're at a language class for aliens. We just want to know where Stonehenge came from, <laughs> for real. <laughs> That was gold. <laughs> I don't know where Elon is, but he can translate all of this for us. <laughs> Beautiful. That's the end of our short story. We only need that much. Okay. I, let's do one more. One more. Right. Oh, yes, and you took them out. Awesome. That was good, guys. Oh, here we go. Okay. Here we go. So I, I screwed up. Who wants to start it? I screwed up. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that. There's a dot, dot, dot there, so try to finish that sentence. Instead of flour, I used baking soda. <sighs> I don't bake. I don't know. <laughs> it's really well, it's bitter. It's obvious because you use baking soda instead of flour. <laughs> this is true. I am completely sentence. stumped. I don't have anything. No, that can one. be your sentence. Because I don't bake. I don't because bake. Because I don't bake. You're going to have to toss that out completely and start over, period. <laughs> End of story. Can't I bake all the time. It's beyond repair. <laughs> so we want to start up, start it different, or is it Tom's turn? Dad, Tom, can you, can you dig, dig it out, Tom? Tom you dig start it out. And I screwed up. 
Oh, I start. <laughs> or you can start. Or we, yeah, you can restart it. Uh, I screwed up by pouring cherry soda into my hot water heater. <laughs> and now when I take a bath, I come out smelling like cherries. <laughs> and that's unfortunate because I hate cherries. And the birds won't leave me alone. <laughs> and the stickiness just, I can't get out of bed in the morning. And ultimately, it didn't fix the hot water heater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. Uh, That's yeah, a great good. one to end on. We brought that one home. Good job, Beautiful. Tara. Okay, so moving on to our last segment is this precarious moment. So um, this book basically is just six urgent steps that will save you, your family, and our country. Um, and so we are, I think, on the third step right now Israel. Uh, covering Israel. And so this, these chapters, um, guys, is just, it's, it's the goal of the section is to understand Israel historically and spiritually and to expose the evil of anti-Semitism and to grasp the biblical rationale for standing with the Jewish people and the state of Israel. We are actually currently in the history chapters of this, um, of the book, and I'm really bad at history, so I'm hoping. Chapter 28. Chapter 28. I, I did want to say we kind of skipped over chapter 27, but that is covering um, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Israel's history of Israel. So it, it, it talks about God coming to Abraham and then talking about how he's going to continue his covenant through Isaac, um, who then has Is Jacob, and then Jacob comes to Israel. So that's what chapter 27 is about. And they wanted to drive home that, according to the Bible, if we bless Israel, we will be blessed. And if we curse them, we will be cursed. So that was chapter 27 in a nutshell. So we're going to pick up at chapter 28 this week. So 28 is essentially, quote, unquote, the last 2,000 years, you know, after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Because he starts there uh, with the um, Israel under siege in ancient days. Uh, and the, the most enlightening for me part of this particular chapter on 103 is where uh, when this fellow named, uh, it'll come to me, Hadrian, so, you know, Rome overtook and destroyed the temple in 70 AD. So 70 years essentially after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, uh, Hadrian uh, really wanted to absolutely stamp out uh, Israel uh, and Jews, and so he made it illegal for them to come to the holy site except one time a year, and uh, he changed the name. Now, we know this place to be called by the world Palestine. Now, you and I call it Israel, but the rest of the world calls it Palestine. And the reason they call it Palestine is because they think the Palestinians, uh, that's who it's named after and it's who it belongs to. Well, the reason it's named Palestine is because this Heridian fella renamed Jerusalem. He asked himself the question, and probably his historians, who does Israel hate the most? Who's their most hated enemy at this time of history? And it was the Philistines. And the Philistines were the people that Palestine was named after got nothing to do with the Arabs that are saying it belongs to them. Right. And so th that was, I didn't know that. I could not have told you that before I read this book months ago now. Uh, right. So, it, it, you know, they're saying that the current Arabic Palestinians have no relation 
to the Philistines and no ancient claim to the land, although they are trying to say that they do. And I did want to, I underlined too that the you said that the Jews were only allowed to come visit Jerusalem one day a year, and it was on the anniversary of the oh, burning down destroyed. of the temple. Right. It wasn't anything positive. They weren't allowed to do anything positive. Uh, it, it was just an in-your-face for, for several years. Well, then uh, the Roman Empire, through Constantine, became Christian. Right, Which supposedly. We don't have enough time in, in any segment uh, to you know really flesh that out. But Constantine claimed that he had been converted, he baptized his entire army with hyssop and holy water, and they set about to try to bring Jerusalem back into the fold type thing. So, you know, they entered into hundreds of years uh, of, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm trying to, I think I actually... So, no, I didn't. question, am I not covered in the book? I'm curious, though, if the Palestinians of today, how do they not have any connection with the Philistines of old? Because was there a shift in people? Oh, okay. And so, so yes, uh, absolutely. The, because it's a... They're, just, they're not the descendants. They're not the descendants. The, the name is the only thing that sounds like, you know. So, so in other words, the Arabs call themselves Palestinians. Mm -hmm. But the, that place was called Palestine after the Philistines. Who were from Greece who and were not from Arabic. Greece and not Arab countries. So the Romans would have more claim on it than... Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and he basically... On 104, at the end of chapter 28, he says, by the way, claims that Jerusalem belongs to the Muslims are bogus, considering not only that Muhammad never visited Jerusalem, but neither did Islam arrive there until 2,600 years after the Jews were founded through Abraham, 2,000 years after Joshua established the nation of Israel, 1,600 years after David made Jerusalem the capital of Israel, 600 years after Christianity was founded there, and the Islamic Dome of the Rock was not built on the Temple Mount until 687 A.D. Do the Muslims and slash Arabs have connection to that locale? Absolutely. Do they have historic ties to it that override Israel's? Absolutely not, is what they're trying to, to prove, if you will. So by the 1800s, the latter part of Turkish Muslim rule Western interest and involvement in Palestine was growing. So basically the whole impetus to get Israel and Jerusalem back into Israeli hands really got its mojo from the 1800s forward. And then that gets But it was not an easy no, trip. Oh, the, when sakes. reading this, I was like, goodness yeah. gracious. Um, so, so chapter 29 is the advent of Zinianism. And so just to remind us that Zinianism simply Zionism. means... Zionism. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, you're good. Zionism. Zionism. Which I'm makes sense. because trying to cut Zionism. down on the emails that will come in. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> all the hate comments also. <laughs> That's right. So Zionism simply means the right of the Jews to return to their ancient biblical homeland and reestablish Israel as an independent self-governing nation with the right to defend itself. So it started with a guy named Theodore Hurls. Theodore Hurls was a French reporter that was covering uh, a what ended up being a trumped-up charge against a Jew. And they basically tried to tar and feather him. Now, remember, this is in 1800, so that is colloquialism. But, I mean, they tried to put him in jail for something he didn't do. 
when he got cleared of all wrongdoing, this reporter realized, oh my goodness, he was being targeted not because he did the crime. He was being targeted because he's a Jew. <clears throat> and so he basically started taking this as a personal job to bring light to, hey, guys, you know, we need to tone down the anti-Semitism type deal. Right, and that, that trouble lay ahead right. for the Jews if, if it's allowed to continue. So now this is an area, Gavin, you may or may not be better versed in. I'm certainly not. Um, at some point, apparently, British people pretty well owned the world. Just a little bit. <laughs> I think it was like the sun never set 89%. on British territory. Yeah, yeah, I missed that somehow in, in, in not English. Uh, well, you might have been. <laughs> yeah, if I was thinking it was English, that <laughs> that's why I, you missed it. That's why it's starting to become clear now. <laughs> I still don't understand a verb. Because <laughs> you're in history class. Shut up. All right. Anyway, uh, I had a very tough childhood. Anyway, Obviously. The, um, so, so the 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 British take Palestine from the Muslims. From I thought it was from right. Israel, and then Muslims gain control. That yeah, sounds good. Let's goes go back and forth. Yeah, and then yeah, it goes back and forth. World War Only English majors listening. To this That's podcast, right. So League of Nations, the create. Yeah, yeah. All we're trying to get across here is that Israel belongs where Israel is, and that it has been a very difficult history to to get here. Uh, well, Churchill was a huge advocate for Yes, Churchill was. Well, in that they have been chipping at it. So, like, it, it brings up um, white, white, <laughs> Weitzman. Is that how you were going to yeah. say it? Weitzman. Um, and he was um, a very important figure. He was eventually the first president of Israel, but he called for um, a British protectorate over a Jewish homeland. Um, and so that's where it kind of started, like, the rebirth of, of Israel. But even after all of this, it talks about how um, the League of Nations, which was the precursor to the United, United Nations, yeah. mm-hmm. continued to after give more land to the Arabs from Israel's homeland. So they chipped away at Israel until they well, w- until what they are now. So these were the brand new nations that were started after World War One: uh, Syria, Lebanon, Iran, and Iraq. And it says for Jews. Israel, Palestine, would be set aside. The League of Nations gave England the authority or the mandate to govern Palestine. So, so what happened from this point forward until, of course, you know, World War II and, and all of the Holocaust there is that it just went back and forth. The Arabs, they would start a riot and then they would blame the Jews. And then the League of Nations slash England would take more property from the Jews as a punishment. And but it was the Arabs that started it. You know, it reminds me, Gavin, of you know what your line is: is that when the liberal, if you will, side accuses you of doing something, they've been doing it for ten years. You know, um, and so uh, it, it was just their mode of operation. Right, and how? Um, so the it started the I'm sorry the strategy of the Muslims mm. of attacking correct the Jews and rioting. Mm. And then blaming them for the riots so right. that way Britain would feel pressure to bow to the Muslims' desires. So eventually, 78% of the territory under the British mandate was taken away from its Jewish designates, designates yeah. in Palestine uh, to create 
others, other, other nations. So after World War I, six nations were created for Arabs out of the Holy Land, but still none for the Jews. So in chapter 30, uh, it just basically sums up uh, that, you know, you got more massacring of the Jews uh, from the Arabs uh, and, and then taking out more land. And then uh, Britain was in an unholy alliance, if you will, with the Arabs because that's where they were getting their gas and they were getting their oil, you know, for, so, so they had to appease them, uh, but there was no appeasing them. Every, every uh, what's the word, every treaty that was offered to them that still included recognizing Jews on any level was rejected. They still received the more land that they gave them, but, but rejected the fact that the Jews could still be, you know, a part of that. Right, and not only were the Jews losing land, but... Um, they were their immigration laws were being restricted, right. and they couldn't buy land right. unless they were in a highly populated area of other Jews. And so it brings up Hitler in World War II that a lot of the a, a big reason why a lot of them were victims of Hitler is because they weren't able to immigrate. There's no place to go. Right, right, because of all those things that had been happening before. And then, as Gavin noted, Churchill was a huge support. Well, he's out of office. Mm-hmm. You know, it had a scandal or accusation or something. He's out of office for 10 years. And then he, of course, comes back into office to end World War II. But then he was forced out before he could right. have his plan for Israel implemented. So uh, at the end there of chapter 30, he says the remarkable Jewish resiliency. But many Jews who survived the genocide efforts in Europe did not wait, attempting to sneak into the country on boats and by foot, but they were sent back to Europe, sometimes to the same concentration camps in which they had been tortured during the war. Those camps were then being used as displaced person camps. Yeah. So that gets us up to World War II. Our Just a, a, a plug for a movie. It's Cast a Giant Shadow. It's Kirk Douglas's movie. And he does a, basically yeah, explains all that. of this uh, when Israel was first given territory and how the, the refugees, almost like illegal immigrants, are coming to the United States now. They were arriving on the shore there in Israel in waves, mm-hmm. and then the Israeli population would rush out to mingle them with them and then take them into their um, towns and villages so that they couldn't be separated and sent back. So they, they were constantly coveting and protecting and, and soliciting Israeli people, Hebrews, to come to the, Israel, the new territory. I think the Jewish people could be a case study on being scrappy. Oh, absolutely. And they do not, that I see, claim victimhood. They know what happened to them, but they just keep pushing forward. When so many classes of people just claim victimhood and fall prey to it and fear and all that, they're just like, whatever. You know, nobody militarily would want to go up against Israel now. You know, and there's such a dot on the map, but Mm -hmm. look at their force. Yep, and any Palestinian would prefer to live in Israel than they would in Palestinian territory, Libya, Syria. They would prefer because they're much more fairly treated. The, the Jews don't let their enemies define who they are. They set their morality and live by it. Well, I mean, especially, obviously, the, the Orthodox Jews. I mean, they're living by Old Testament, right. which is, you know, Christian values. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, Judeo values as, as well. 
Well, this one was a really big history lesson, so there's probably not a whole lot to discuss. Um, but next chapters is talking about the um, miraculous rebirth of Israel, even after all of that that went down. Um, so hopefully we'll have a little bit more discussion there. So we have come to the end of this special Snow Day BRH. Thank you, Tara and Tom, for joining us tonight. Yeah. We've had a lot of fun with you guys um, joining us again. And I hope that everyone listening will share this show with your friends, neighbors, and relatives. And then invite them to next week's show. And hopefully we won't have snow and Awana will be going as well. And don't forget to share the word on your socials. Good night and God bless. Not doing so, a word of wisdom. Oh, that's right. I over, I forgot dad. Well, you know, dad has <laughs> She his gets word it of every day. So. She gets it. Yeah, and isn't that the truth? It's short. You can end it, yeah. Is that which we think satisfies that which truly satisfies. Good night. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.